Before I begin our sermon today, I want to say a word of thanks to you for your hospitality, for your welcome of me. I've been learning about everything from June gloom to the Haggerty's and the history of this building to the quality of your community and the affection that you have for one another. And I give thanks to God for that, and I am thrilled to be able to be here and to share in this with you for the next four weeks. Will you join your hearts with me in prayer? Holy One, you come to us day in and day out, and a good part of the time we miss your presence. We don't perceive you. And yet when we come to this holy place, we earnestly seek you, And I ask that you might bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, that we might indeed perceive you and know our oneness with you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, my friends, that story is quite something. I know it was a lot to listen to. It's a lot of biblical verses for you to have to endure, so to speak. But what a story it is. There's a part of me that wants to go, woohoo, what on earth is going on in this story? Now, many of you have known this story for years. Probably most of you remember it mostly from your Sunday school days, if you went to Sunday school. You have probably heard um, the story of David and Goliath, but perhaps never in all of its full dimensions as shared with us this morning. So I want to share with you just a little bit of that story and what its meaning might be for these days. First, imagine that there we have young David the shepherd boy, who is out in the fields taking care of his father's sheep. And Jesse summons him and says to him, Come, we must send some provisions to your brothers who are on the front line for Israel in this great battle that is ensuing. Come and take these provisions and go and check on your brothers and see how they are. And so... He uh, sends David to the front lines. And David arrives and he turns over all those provisions uh, to the commandant who manages the, the provisions for the field crews. And he then goes on to find his brothers. And one of his brothers looks at him and says, what are you doing here? You're only here to watch the battle. What are you doing here? Typical older brother, younger brother put down. I don't know if any of you have experienced that, but clearly David was experiencing that in that moment. And David is used to this. And so then we move to another scene in which David goes into the area where the Philistines are on the tall mountain to the right and the Israelites are on the tall mountain to the left and a valley between them. 
the valley in which will be staged this great battle. And when he goes there, he hears Goliath with Goliath's speech of daring to the Israelites, send me, send me somebody who will, who will come and fight with me. And he is so confident. He is so confident. This giant from Gath, which is known for its giants. Now, I, I imagine him as being seven feet tall. Maybe you imagine him as being 12 or 15. But if, even at seven feet, David is craning his neck at this giant. And the people of Israel are overwhelmed, not just because of Goliath, but because they know he comes from the area of the Philistines where there are many more like him. And the Israelites don't have any giants among them, at least not of physical stature. And so here's this young shepherd boy who is described in the biblical text as having beautiful eyes and a ruddy complexion and a handsome face. I imagine that he's probably somewhat small since he's still a youth, still the youngest of the brothers and the one who is left at home to tend the sheep and, and the goats. And he, he, he hears Goliath issue his dare, his daily dare. And he says to those around him, what will, what will happen? What will happen to the one from Israel who, who stands up to him? And they tell him, oh, there will be great honors. And finally, David steps forward and says to Saul, I will go. And did you hear Saul's response? Saul says, you can't do that. You're just a young boy. He's a battle-worn warrior. How are you going to take him on? And David's response, you won't have missed this. I've killed bears and lions. What makes you think I can't take him on? I am here to serve the living God of Israel. I will go. Now, think about that. A young boy, a shepherd, out in the midst of some fields, called by his father to go deliver provisions and check on his brothers, and he ends up stepping forward and saying, I'll go. I'll take him on. Whoever this Goliath is, I've killed lions and bears. I can do this. And Saul once again says, no, 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 no. But finally Saul relents. So what does Saul do? Saul decides to clothe him with Saul's own armor. Now I, I have to tell you, I imagine Saul, because of his reputation, I imagine Saul as pretty big himself. And I can just imagine what was the, the weight of the armor? It's mail, and it's a javelin or a sword and spear, and it's uh, 
helmet and, you know, those things they wore down the fronts of their legs. And I can just imagine, David, can you imagine? Just sort of like, uh, and then the sword, which is probably dragging on the ground. And in that moment, David says, no, this isn't going to work. This is not going to work. I cannot. I cannot wear this armor. It's as though David is saying, this isn't me. This isn't me. And so, Michael, would you go check on what's going on, please? I think there's a pastoral concern here. 911 has been called. Okay. Let us pause for a moment then and offer a prayer for the one who is ill. Gracious God, there is one among us who is in need of your presence, your powerful presence. We give thanks for the EMTs and for those who come to care for this person. We give thanks for your presence and for the care of this congregation, for those who stepped up and stepped out to be able to be present to him or her. We ask that you would go with them to the hospital or wherever they are going, that they might indeed be safe and secure. In Christ's name, amen. So back to David. Give me one second. So there is David, this little boy, not little boy, this youth, who steps up in that moment. Now, I think of Goliath as a bully. And he bears all the marks of a bully. I don't know if any of you have ever had to deal with a bully. I have throughout much of my life in one form or another. Probably you have. Goliath's mark of a bully are, did you notice the first thing he did was to say, I dare you. You ever known a bully like that? I dare you. And then he says, well, who are you? You little thing, you come to me as though I were a dog. You insult me. Your presence insults me. Your size insults me. Your age insults me. Your weapons insult me. You aren't worthy to take me on. Sounds like a lot of bullies I've encountered. And then he says, and I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do it to you. I am just going to overwhelm you and I'm going to feed you to the animals and the birds. Sound like a bully? Sounds like a lot of bullies I've known. Maybe not those same words, but it's very real. So now I want to tell you a little story from my life. When I was very young, in junior high, I started going to our church camp in Connecticut. It was my, I was in junior high, middle school, as they call it now, and I was, I perceived myself, and I think I actually was, homely and awkward and unsure of myself and didn't know who I was. 
I just knew that I couldn't be all those things that everybody else was in the, in the town where I lived. I was pretty different in lots of ways. I now see that as an asset. But I wasn't very sure of myself. And I went off to church camp, and on the third summer that I was at Silver Lake Conference Center, the equivalent of your Pilgrim Pines here in Southern California, I, <laughs> I experienced a call from God. It was 1959. All right, now how many of you are calculating? <laughs> Stop calculating. I'm 74, so you can just go back to listening to the sermon. So it was 1959, and I just knew God was calling me to ministry. So I came home. It was mid-August or so, and I came home, and I told my parents, and my parents said, you can be anything you decide to be. And I was like, okay. And then I went to school, and we were supposed to tell at school what we did on our school vacation. You remember those? Right? Everybody else talked about their vacations. I talked about being called by God. You can imagine how that went over. You can just imagine how that went over. Yeah, 1959, more people went to church. But all my friends, and even those who weren't friends, and especially the bullies, said, you can't do that. Girls can't be ministers. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but we'd been ordaining women since 1853. But I'd never encountered a woman who was a minister, but it never occurred to me never occurred to me, thanks to my parents, that just because I was a girl, I couldn't do anything. And so when my friends and a couple of my teachers even said that to me, you can't be a minister, girls can't be ministers, this awkward, homely, unsure of herself girl somehow put her hands on her hips and said, oh yeah, you just wait and see. Well, I used to think that my call from God happened at Silver Lake in the summer. And I think God planted a seed there then. But you know what? I think the real call from God came when the hands went on the hips and the starch went up the spine and I stood up for myself the very first time in my life. Now, I'm not comparing me to David <laughs> by any means. But, you know, we all have those moments, those moments when we need to step up to what God is calling us to, when we need to be changed by God's presence in our lives, when we need to know that, in fact, we can be more and do more than we ever dreamed to make a difference in this world. That's, for me, the real power of this story of David and Goliath. David's response to the bully is his trust in God. 
His response to the bully is to reject to the armor, to be authentically who he is, to claim who he is and the skills that he's brought from the sheepfold, the skills that he's brought from defending his flocks to the moment of facing the giant. You and I have our own giants. Whether those giants are in our homes, in our families, in our communities, our neighborhoods, in our society in general, wherever they are, when we grow roots, deep roots, in the presence of God, when we know the power of God, not just because it's some woo-woo experience, but because we've done the work to ground ourselves in Scripture and in faith, then we can encounter anything, anything, and know and trust that God is transforming us and that situation and, tr- and giving us new possibilities for our future. So what will you dare for God? What are the moments when you need to step up? And how deep are the roots illustrated by that tree on the front of your bulletin today? How deep are your roots and how much do you trust the living God to enable you to stand up and to step forth? Thanks be to God for you and for your witness in the midst of the world. Amen.